All right. Great to be with you guys tonight. My name's Jason, for those of you who haven't met. And uh, like Sally said, we're going to be finishing this series called Are You Kidding Me? We've been kind of looking at the intersection of some of our most cherished cultural values and how that kind of intersects with the Christian worldview. And we've talked about relevance and authority and tolerance. Tonight, we're going to be talking about freedom. And uh, now the Bible loves to talk about the idea of freedom. It's a big deal in there. But we as Americans too, do we take our freedom seriously? folks? Yes. I mean, I think you know how this country was founded, right? Freedom is a bit of a big deal. Uh, in fact, recently a group of sociologists studied Americans and discovered that freedom was our most cherished cultural value. Can you believe that? Number one. Of course, of course, that's what it would come up. It's not a shocking development, right? And tonight, we're kind of just going to walk through how we think about freedom. And I'm going to ask you a set of questions, okay? And this first question is a bit rhetorical, but uh, hey, do Americans love their freedom? Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, from day one, our nation was founded by people willing to be just jumping scary boats across the Atlantic, right? Come over to this country looking for and pursuing freedom, freedom from government oppression, freedom from freedom to practice religion any way they want, freedom of opportunity. I mean, it's like it's hardwired into our DNA, right, to love freedom. And in fact, we get a little testy, right, when our freedoms are stepped on or touched. Uh, you know, just look at some of these images from our nation's history. You'll, you'll recognize some of these. But uh, this first one, that was one of our original American revolutionary flags, don't tread on me, right? The coiled snake. We're pointing that thing at Britain, just saying, hey, if you step on me, like, watch out, right? We're going to strike. Um, this next one I love. So this is the state uh, motto of New Hampshire, right? Live free or die. Uh, so nothing understated there, right? Um, our good friends, Andrew and Ellie Thompson, just moved to New Hampshire, and we forgot to warn them, hey, when you get there, the locals may be a little bit jazzed up about this freedom idea. Um, as our Texans, this is their unofficial state flag, right? Don't mess with Texas, which you must say in some sort of cowboy accent. Well, that's my best cowboy. But my personal favorite, though, is, uh, is the Boston Tea Party, wherein, uh, yeah, 1773, early Americans freaked out over unfair taxes on their favorite breakfast beverage, boarded multiple ships, and threw overboard all of said breakfast beverage into Boston Harbor, okay? And this little riot wasn't even over coffee. It was over tea, you know? Uh, could you imagine what modern Americans would do if they overtaxed coffee? I mean, we'd burn every American city to the ground. Uh, you get the point, right? I mean, when it comes to freedom, I think there's no question. We love it. We've enjoyed it. Our, our, our nation was really founded on this concept. Now, second question is this. Um, do you have more freedom today than ever? Think about that for a second. This may be more, more, a little bit more of a mixed bag. I mean, if you were to think about, hey, do we have more freedom than folks compared to third world, second world? Like, yeah, okay. A lot more income, a lot more convenience, right? You have probably a flushing toilet at home, right? Uh, you know, a lot of places in the world don't have that. And so from that point of view, yeah. Well, from the point of view of, you know, are you worried about, like, the government taking away some of your freedoms or messing with that? Maybe, maybe, and that would be fair. But um, one place where I don't think we'd argue that much, where our freedoms have really increased over the last couple of decades, is relative to digital capitalism, okay? Just this idea of the internet 
the information explosion. I mean, we have got today mind-blowing access, okay, to information, to entertainment, to convenience, and just ways we've never seen before, unprecedented sort of levels. How so? Um, Let's start with these things. Anybody have one of these? Bet you do. How do I know? Well, according to Pew Research, 97% of Americans own a cell phone, 85% of which are smartphones. And if you're 18 to 29, if you're a young person, essentially 100% of people in that age group own cell phones, 96% of which are smartphones, okay? So if you're young, this is how you're doing life. Okay, there's a couple of you out there holding out on flip phones, okay? We won't try to out you here, but... uh, my father's one of them. We tried to get him a smartphone. He, like, punched the buttons with his fat fingers for three days and said, give me my flip phone back, right? But, oh, sorry to out you, Dad. But for most of us, this is, how, this is how we're doing life. And just think about what access you have to information on this thing. The other day, I looked for a video on YouTube for how to fix the brake calipers on my 2004 Ford Expedition, you know, an 18-year-old car. It was on there, like a mechanic walking through how to do that. I was educated and informed on how to do this. It was amazing. Um, if you're a young person, does anybody here play Minecraft? This is kind of a, you remember that game? The other day, I was stranded at an airport. I heard these young people talking about how technically they looked up on YouTube how to, or they Googled how to hack into a smart refrigerator in the kitchen and play Minecraft. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but apparently you can if you're interested in that sort of thing. I mean, wow. Um, and what about entertainment? I mean, for the love of all things sacred and holy, entertainment. Uh, we have our entire music catalogs on our phone, available 24-7, virtually anywhere on the planet. And uh, streaming services? Um, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, Paramount+. Plus. How many pluses are we going to get? You got to have a plus. Uh, FUBU, HBO. I mean, listen, even if you watched... TV 24-7-365, um, I think you couldn't watch everything that's out there if you had 100 lifetimes, right? There's just a vast quantity of stuff. And convenience, I mean, wow. Um, last few times I've used Amazon Prime, I've like got the shipment that day or the next day. It just comes, right? And pretty soon, apparently, it's going to be coming just like right out of the sky that day on a drone, right? Just dropped on your porch, okay. Um, you know, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Pretty soon, I think we'll expect to just like punch up what we want to eat, right? Wait a few minutes, just like open the door, right? Reach out there and they'll like stick the Chipotle burrito in your mouth right there, right? Uh, I don't know. We have a lot of access, right? To, to entertainment, to convenience. Uh, and it's like so much. Sometimes we just, it's even anxiety inducing. Like I can't figure out what to watch. There's just too much on. I, I can't make a decision. Um, So, you know, I think if we're honest, we can all say, hey, though we love our freedoms, we appreciate them, at least in this area, we probably have more freedom than ever. And so just think about this, like if freedom is good and more freedom is better, then by like logical extension, we should all like be living our best lives right now, right? Think about this question. Is all this freedom leading to you having a better life? How would you answer that question? For example, um, with all this digital connectivity, you probably have more community than ever. Uh, you, can, you got texting, 
You've got online dating. You've got Facebook. You've got all these methodologies, right? But in fact, Americans are profoundly lonelier than ever, if you go look at the data. Gallup just reported that Americans are four times more likely to have zero friends than just two decades ago. Okay, Four times more likely to have zero friends than just two decades ago. So interesting. So, so maybe not the friend thing, but maybe we're, we're happier and more joyful than ever. Well, in fact, uh, the General Social Survey, that's a survey that's been asking Americans for 50 years now, um, if you're happy, okay, or not very happy. Okay, very happy, okay, or not very happy. Like three buckets. That not very happy category has been trending up over the last two decades as well, and it's at its highest point in history. 25% of Americans not very happy. And less are very happy, 19%, also at its lowest point in history. Anxiety is running rampant. Uh, it's the most commonly um, diagnosed mental disorder in the U.S., affecting over 40 million adults, according to Anxiety and Depression Association of America. You know, and, and by far the most disturbing uh, to me personally I think they're all of us. Um, if you look at the rates, objectively look at the rates of teen depression and teen suicide in our country, they are universally acknowledged by everyone without debate to have increased by 60% just over the last 10 years. Okay, 60% up, a huge rise just in the last 10 years. I mean, and this is simply heart-wrenching, folks. So I don't know. I mean, the data really doesn't support the idea that we're living the best lives ever right now, okay? And why is this? Is there something going on here about how we are exercising our freedoms that is affecting this? That's the question I want to ask tonight. And this fourth question is a little edgy, but think about this one for a second. Are any of your modern freedoms actually hurting you? Are any of your modern freedoms actually hurting you? Now, I see some of you panicking out there. You're looking at me like, oh, is he going to give me the back in my day speech, right? Like, you know, back in my day, we didn't have those newfangled telephones. With a, you know, like, I'm not going to give you that speech, okay? Not everything that's a modern invention is evil. But I hope we can at least take a minute and just carefully inspect at close range all the freedoms we're enjoying and ask ourselves the question, is this helping me or is this hurting me? Okay, Is it helping or is it hurting? Let's start with this simple example. Is a Google search like good or bad? Well, I could look up how to make a bomb and blow people up, right? Or I could research a compassion organization on how to help people. It's, it could be used for good or bad, right? It's sort of neutral, right? The technology itself is neutral. Um, but just to challenge us, these technologies may be neutral, but will we consider, can we take a look at, there are people and even corporations out there that are actively engineering these technologies to appeal to our base urges and to make them as addicting as possible? Will we take a look at that? Um, let's take a look, okay? Let's start with social media. Uh, 
I mean, it's really no secret social media is engineered to be as addicting as possible. If you haven't checked out this documentary, it's pretty interesting, Social Dilemma on Netflix. It basically goes through the, hey, in the background there, there's algorithms just cranking away, trying to get you to click again and again and again and stay on those screens. Let's keep looking at that advertising, okay? Inviting you to watch that one more funny cat video. Okay, that's me. That's my confession. All right. I like funny cat videos. Or to buy the next thing, or to binge the next episode, which will start in three seconds if you don't do anything, right? It's just coming at you. And, and, and on social media, like, it's like they're trying to stimulate you with these dopamine hits to stay in the, stay in the system. But, but also there's like this weird thing where, um, why is so much of it like alternate between these two extremes? Like this kind of like online digital keyboard warrior, you know, kind of looking for a food fight. That's like one extreme. And then the other extreme is just like isolation, like unfriending you, blocking you, canceling you. Like something about these things can like just interact with our reptilian brain, right? Push us towards fight or flight. And if so, like no wonder we're struggling with friendships, okay? If that's what's going on. Okay, well, when it comes to online sex and pornography, are you kidding me? Um, Is it neutral? that porn is literally a $100 billion business? $100 billion, with a B, okay? Um, and that 90% of teens have viewed porn, and the average age of first viewing is 11 years old? Is that neutral? Um, and it's not just digital things. There's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, look at the modern processed food industry, a large chunk of which is kind of engineering food to, be, to this so-called bliss point. Um, the bliss point where it's tastes delicious, but it's kind of as addicting as possible, right? And not to the point that's terribly healthy for us either. So there's just a lot of this going on out there. My point is, let's be pretty discerning just to the degree to which these modern freedoms are trying to get us hooked on something that's pretty enticing, okay? And enticing to all of us. And, you know, I think the the brave question um, that we need to confront here is, is, is the following. Like, what definition of freedom actually is the world trying to push on us? Okay? What definition of freedom is the world trying to push on us? We've been talking about this, and we, we do love the, the writer John Mark Homer. Um, his latest book's called Live No Lies. We flash that up there. Yeah. Great, great read. Um, and he suggests in this book that American culture essentially defines freedom in the following way, okay? This is a little edgy, but here, here it comes. So he says, for us, freedom is the liberation to do whatever the hell we want, okay? Sorry, I cussed, but John Mark did really, yeah. Uh, to define the good for ourselves, okay? To define it ourselves. To pursue and enjoy and buy and sell and sleep and do and say whatever we desire, okay, whatever we desire. And some of it, obviously, some of these freedoms are very much delivering us the ability to do that in kind of unprecedented ways. And this shows up all over the place in our culture with our kind of slogans, our, uh, our catchphrases. Take a look at some of these and, uh, you know, just do you, okay? Just do it. Speak your truth. The heart wants what it wants. I mean, 
You can't do anything about it. Heart wants what it wants. Be true to yourself. Um, and these slogans basically boil down to call to just, again, do whatever we want. And, and what human in this room, myself included, hasn't found ourselves just tapping into some compulsive freedom that starts with these sentiments around what I want or I feel I need, but ends up feeling a lot more like slavery than freedom, more like slavery than freedom. I think all of us at some point. So, so what's the problem? Um, the problem is the do whatever we want deal. It's just not how God defines healthy freedom. In fact, he guarantees if we approach freedom in this sort of American way, it will directly lead to us feeling enslaved. It will lead to all the negative things we seem to be feeling and experiencing and what the data suggests we're kind of living out. So I want to actually pull in like God's commentary on all this. Um, and I think uh, Romans 6 will be really helpful in this. So let's look at Romans 6, 20 through 21. This is in Eugene Peterson's uh, message translation. So as long as you did what you felt like doing, uh, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. And, I, you know, I think that's the real question that uh, God is calling us to ask today, okay? That do you call this a free life question. Um, because if the exercising of our freedoms is leading us to nothing we're proud of now, that's not a free life. And if we're indulging our flesh in a compulsive way that feels like a dead end, that's not a free life. And certainly, I think we all know, if these freedoms are leading to us feeling or being addicted, that's not a free life. And so that's just the definition of, of being enslaved. So to think about true freedom, let's just look at how God defines that. I think this is where I'll kind of wrap up tonight, but, but how does God define true freedom? How does he define it? And you might be a little surprised by this. Um, it's not a terribly American definition. Um, Let's look at his definition of freedom. It's found in Galatians 5. Probably the most important, the coolest chapter in the Bible on Christian freedom and this idea. It just spells the whole thing out for us in terms of Christian freedom. And we'll start right at the beginning here with Galatians 5, 1 and 2. And this is good news. This is really good news. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Okay, so stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by yoke of slavery. What, I mean, this is so awesome. Like God wants us to be free. He's bought our freedom through his death on the cross. He doesn't want us to be slaves again. And then a little bit further down, he actually says, okay, well, but be careful. This is how you become slaves again. In Galatians 5, 13, he says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Okay. You're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, okay? So, like, what does this indulge the flesh idea really, what is it talking about? I mean, it's really kind of taking off and running with your human drives, and we have them for self-gratification, for survival, 
and just doing the you do you thing without any governors, without any boundaries, without any controls. And whenever we're doing that, when we're indulging the flesh, it's like freedom's going to go away and slavery is going to enter. And that's what these verses are saying. And it's a delicate balance, right? Because we, we do have valid needs for food. We have valid needs for enjoyment, for intimacy, but there's always going to be a scrutiny we have to bring to this. Okay, just a, a reckoning, a, an ability to, to bring balance to this in order to have this true freedom, okay? And lastly, on the true freedom front, if we look at the last part of this verse, you're called to be free. Don't indulge the flesh. That's slavery. Rather, rather, here's true freedom. Freedom is the ability to do what God does and serve one another in love. That's how he lays out true freedom, okay? Freedom is not for our own indulgence. It's to serve one another in love. And remember when I talked about that American definition of freedom? I mean, it's so me-centric, right? Uh, it's, it's focused here. God's version of this is other-centric, okay? It's not me-centric. It's other-centric. Focused on love, focused on relationships, and this is how Mark Sayers unpacks it. Uh, some of you may know Mark Sayers. He partnered with John Mark Comer to actually make the This Cultural Moment podcast. Anybody heard about that or been exposed to it? A few hands in here. This is the, check it out if you haven't checked it out. It's a great podcast. Um, I think it's the best, one of the best ones in the last few years. But in the podcast, Mark talks about basically these kind of three buckets that we all have in our lives that are valid needs. And the, these buckets are like freedom, community, and meaning, okay? Freedom, community, and meaning. All important. Every one of us needs these buckets in our lives to be healthy humans. It doesn't even really matter if you're a believer or not. You need these three things. But it's like in America right now, it's as if our freedom buckets are just boiling over and just exploding with, with, with capability, with streaming and data and Ubers and all the things that we, we've come to enjoy. But, but somehow it's leaving us with these other buckets just unbalanced, with our community bucket being lower than it should be and what's best for us. And sometimes our meaning bucket being, being virtually empty here. And, you know, let me ask you a question. If you had, like, all the freedom in the world, but no relationships, would you be good? All the freedom in the world and no meaning, would we be good? Um, and that's exactly what Galatians was saying. If we take our freedom, shine it inward, and indulge ourselves, we are not going to have much community. Because he says the next thing true freedom is, is to love. And so we've got to like intrinsically balance this out. And to balance it out is going to take some choices, some intentional, direct, deliberate choices to say, what am I going to spend my time and energy doing? Um, we may have to just self-limit and put some restrictions on our freedoms in order to get this equation right and really find ourselves in, in balance. Uh, we may have to put down that phone or the remote or the laptop to get there. And if we do so and we invest in other things, that community bucket will, will start to rise and we'll, we'll balance this out and... You know, no wonder we wouldn't have meaning, right, if our community isn't right. I mean, God's fundamental identity, what does God call himself in the Bible? 
He had one word to define himself. Love, right? God is love. He defines his identity and meaning and purpose in terms of love, reaching out and loving within the Trinity, loving. And he called us to do the same thing. He made us in his image to love him or love others. When we do that, we're doing the God thing. And of course, we'll be having the same sort of meeting he designed us for, okay? So the good news tonight is there's a way out on this. I know at the beginning, I probably depressed everyone a bit with that data, right? Um, That was some tough data (laughs) Uh, and some tough rewards for our American freedom, the, the anxiety, the depression, that stuff. And we all know, we all know, none of us want any of those things. Um, But at the end of the same chapter, Galatians 5, the awesome thing God promises us is that when we do this God's way, when we do freedom his way, it's going to lead to different fruits, to different outcomes. And those fruits are the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace thing. And so that's what he wants for us. But hey, we're going to have to take some steps, I think, to get there. And, And what is that best path? Tonight, I just want to leave you with a few ideas to consider here so that you can manage this and just optimize this in your own lives. So let's look at some potential actions here. So action number one, just take a minute and think about this. Like what, what area of freedom in your life do you potentially need to limit? Where do you need to put a, a, a control on the system. Um, and the way to think about that is like, whatever of your life is causing you to indulge too much, what's making you anxious and isolated? That would be a great place to go look and to start on this. Um, and action number two, though, is what new commitment can you replace that with that can drive you towards more community, more meeting? You might join a small group. You might ask someone to disciple you or initiate that sort of relationship with someone else. Um, just choose to love on somebody, somebody in your neighborhood, someone in your, in your sphere of influence. So we don't just want to flush something that's bad. We want to add something that's good. But we also want the power to do that, right? And where is this power going to come from? Um, from God and others, really. That's the biblical story. From God in the following way, action three, walk with the Spirit on this. Um, in the same chapter of Galatians 5, When we walk with the Spirit, we get this power to make these changes happen and make them stick. Again, if you haven't read this Galatians 5, wow, what what an amazing chapter in the Scripture. Let's look at this last verse on Galatians 5 on how to walk with the Spirit. Uh, Walk with the Spirit, and then you won't gratify uh, the desires. What does walk with the Spirit mean? Stay in step with Him, right? Like we're Utahns, right? Go take a hike with the Spirit. Uh, Walk with Him, Um, be in connection with him. Spend time. Um, and also just call on others. Uh, we were just we're not designed to do this Christian walk alone. Action four here is pull someone else in from your community. Share your commitment on what you're going to do with a trusted friend, okay? It'll just help encourage you and keep you accountable here. Um, for we as pastors who walk with people all the time on this, when people want to make change, we honor that. The way changes usually happen is you invite the Spirit and you invite community into your life. And together, these things give you the best chance of really making these things stick and go in a, go in a new direction, okay? So let's just process that even as we pray tonight. Like, uh, where's God asking you to limit things? What would you add to balance the equation? And we'll call on the Spirit and encourage you to, 
connect with others to make it stick, okay? So let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we're just so thankful that, first of all, freedom is exactly what you want in our lives. It's what you called us to. It's what you bought with your son's death. You want us to experience the love, joy, and peace that comes from doing freedom your way, Jesus. Uh, We are just so grateful tonight that that's our reality. Um, This good thing you've already made the way for for us. And yet we know, Lord, we're living in an age where a lot of of things around us can be just incredibly enticing and can lead us in places where our time is just going in a direction that does not give us the the life you called us to, Lord. So boldly tonight, Lord, will you just reveal to each person in this room through your spirit that area of freedom that you just want them to to self-limit, Lord, for, for our own benefit so that we can actually be at peace and be joyful, meaningful humans, Lord, that uh, our purposes will be fulfilled, Lord. What is that area for each of us, Lord? And what do you want us to replace it with? Where do you want to move our energies so that we have more community? Uh, we have more meaning, Lord. We just make that clear to everyone. And Lord, certainly we ask for you to grace us with your Holy Spirit. Um, May we desire that so that we can make these things stick. And Lord, I just pray for each one in this room that they'd have somebody they can just talk to and reveal the steps you want them to take, Lord. We we just know that when we tell someone, um, it it gives us more power, Lord, because we've shared our experience with someone and they'll be for us, Lord. So I just pray for your favor to fall on every single human, every single soul in this room to move to move, uh, to move in your direction, Lord, and, and the direction that will bring us peace, Lord. And we ask all this in your son's name. Amen.